get it all put together. Uh, it's going to be a really great service. And we really think it's going to be an amazing tool uh, for you to be able to have worship at home. And we are praying that you are going to have folks with you at Christmas that maybe don't normally go to church. And so it'll be an opportunity for you, instead of saying, hey, why don't you come to church, for you to be able to say, hey, let's just pause for a few moments and we're going we're gonna to worship and we're going to do this. And so it's going to be uh, something that you'll want to invite people to participate in and join us for. Uh, so we're looking forward to live stream on Christmas morning, December 25th. Uh, again, we're going to keep it on that date. Um, so there you go. <clears throat> All right, so my favorite question to ask people um, around Thanksgiving is this. How many Thanksgivings did you go to? Uh, so why don't everybody stand up, because you all went to probably one. Wait, no, really stand up real quick. Let's participate here in this. Okay, so here, I'm sorting the sizes. Listen, we got these special for everybody five years ago, and we're trying to clear them out. No expense was spared. All right, here we go. Sit down if you only went to one Thanksgiving this year. Okay, good. Man, this is going to be awesome. How many? Sit down if you went to two Thanksgivings this year. Oh, we've got three or more. Sit down if you went to more than three Thanksgivings. If you, hold on. If you did, you did three Thanksgivings. Sit down if you only did three Thanksgivings. Oh, yes. How many did you do? Let's just do this real quick. This is so much fun for me. How much? How many did you go to? Five. You are so thankful. How many did you go to? Four. Oh, you're kind of a loser, but that's all right. How about over here? You went to six? You went to five? You let her go to one by herself? Man, you get a shirt for that. I don't know what size it is. It's medium or small or 2X. That's all we've got. All right, everybody gets a shirt. Shirts all around. All right. Okay. You can sit down now. All right. So we're in the middle of Daniel, and we're actually we're wrapping it up today. Next week we start Advent, and we've been talking about work. That's what we've been talking about because Daniel, I know we grew up with the stories of Daniel, the lion's den and the fiery furnace and all this stuff, but Daniel is a guy who has a job in a secular environment. He has a guy, a boss who asked him to worship false gods, uh, to bow down to him. And so whatever you think about your boss, I promise you Daniel's had worse. And so what we've been looking through this series is how can we embrace work as worship? How can we look at this and start to reclaim it? What we're trying to do is live out Colossians. So let's read this together. Colossians chapter 3. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. So that's what we're trying to do. And as I thought about Daniel, the book of Daniel, I realized that what we're looking at is his highlight reel. We're looking at sort of all the high points, all the stories that you would want somebody to tell about you and that would be remembered about you. Like, we don't read a lot of the mundane stuff. You know, Daniel gets sick. Daniel goes grocery shopping. We don't read about any of that stuff. We read about these high points in his life. And it got me thinking, like, what are the, what are the, the causes of it? What sets Daniel in motion to have this type of success in his life? 
Now, I, I was a few months ago, I read a book um, called Atomic Habits. Anybody read this book, James Clear's Atomic Habits? A couple of you. I really can't recommend it highly enough. And as I was reading through this last chapter of Daniel that we're going to preach through, this Daniel 6, I, I started seeing in Daniel's life all of these habits that he had built up. And, and I remembered back to this book, and I started thinking, you know what? I think this James Clear guy's right on some habits. And so if you've got the app, I've put a link in there to an article that you can read. But I'm going to give you a few observations um, James Clear has about goals versus habits. Because we live in a society in a time where we're really sort of pumped up on setting goals. And we want to accomplish these goals. And Clear says this. He says, let's get rid of goals and let's just embrace the system. Let's embrace the, the process. Let's embrace the habit. And here's what he says. Problem one, winners and losers have the same goals. This is true, right? He says that uh, winner in this idea of goal setting is very selective in our remembrance. You know, we look at everybody who achieves a goal and we go, man, you know what? They set a goal and they accomplished it. But how many people set the same goal and didn't accomplish it? What's the difference between the two? They both had goals. One achieves it, one doesn't. And what he would argue is that it is a consistent habit, a daily investment in something that's moving you to the person you want to become. Second thing he says is this, is that achieving a goal is only a momentary change. Now, I won't ask for a show of hands, but a lot of people have been on diets this year. Maybe it started in January, maybe it died in February, um, and then we had Thanksgiving. And we don't need a show of hands, but we all fell off the wagon, and the wagon ran us over this week. And, you know, and that's just how it is. And what James Clear would say this is, once we achieve our goals, there's little incentive to keep with it. You know, you hit that, that goal weight, or you, you make that career move that you wanted to make, or, or you accomplish, you know, uh, you run that marathon. But then once it's done, where do you go from there? Unless you've embraced the habit, unless you've embraced becoming somebody else every single day, he would say that your goal is only going to take you that far, and then it's going to leave you alone. Uh, third is this, he'll say that goals restrict your happiness. You know, a lot of people have said, man, once I achieve this goal, once I accomplish this, once I perform at this level, then I'll be happy. And often they get to the other side of it and they go, man, you know what, this wasn't nearly as satisfying as I'd hoped. Or you set a goal that you can't quite achieve. And because you can't get there, you say, man, I, you know, I'm just a failure. You know, I couldn't accomplish it. I couldn't get there. And what Clear would say this is if we were to instead embrace uh, a kind of a new lifestyle, what he'll call a habit, what would then happen is we could be satisfied with the fact that we've made some change in our life. Uh, fourth thing here, and I, th I think he's on to something with this. Goals are at odds with long-term progress. You've got to keep altering your goals and moving your goals and changing them around if you want to continue to see that kind of progress. And so what he would say is this, that what we need to do is embrace the systems in our life. And he gives a couple good examples. This one I like is, is you know, imagine you're a coach. You know, uh, we're, you know, you get all these basketball teams together. Our goal is going to be to make it. You know, you know we want to make it to the championship. We want to be the champions. This is what we want to do. Every basketball team is going to set that as a goal. There's not going to be one basketball team that's going to say, you know what? Well, we just hope we do a little better than we did last year. Everybody's going to set this big goal. And he would say, what's going to be the difference? He said, he'll ask this question. Would a basketball team achieve the same if they all set the same goal? Or if they just said, you know what, we're going to focus instead on having an excellent practice every single time. When we get into practice, we're going to make sure we focus on the things we need to focus on. And we're going to work on installing this kind of offense and defense. And we're going to do these kinds of things. And we're going to work on these kinds of plays and embrace the system. He, he would say this, and I think he's probably right, that those who focus on the system and on the 
process are going to find much more success in life as a natural byproduct. And so as we look at Daniel's life, I want us to think about the habits that he's got instilled, instilled and installed in his daily life. And there's three I, I see in this text of Daniel 6, and I want to share them with you. So let's start here. Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. Uh, the satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Now, let's pause because we might be tempted to put our modern thought on Daniel and say, you know what? Daniel got there because that was his goal. Really, nothing could be further from the truth. It was not Daniel's goal to be taken into exile, to have a foreign country invade, and to ship him off to some foreign land. It wasn't his goal to be made a slave and then to be promoted. It was not Daniel's goal to promote this pagan kingship. This was not Daniel's goal. It wasn't Daniel's goal for another kingdom to take over the kingdom that had originally taken over his kingdom to, to now promote him up. This has not been Daniel's goal. But notice what happens. It says Daniel distinguished himself by what his exceptional qualities. Now, there is, if you look in this, this uh, Hebrew here, this distinguished himself, there's this sense uh, that it could be interpreted this way, that he was continually distinguishing himself. In other words, day after day, Daniel kept bringing his best. It reminds me of what Craig Rochelle says, successful people do regularly what normal people do occasionally. That's good. Successful people do regularly what normal people do occasionally. You see, Daniel had a habit of always bringing his best. You see this throughout his life. You, you start back in chapter 1, and you see that Daniel, even though he's in exile, even though he has every excuse in the book to give up on what he's been doing, he says, you know what, I'm going to continue to bring my best. I'm going to bring my best every single day. He had bad managers, he had bad kings, he had bad bosses who had unrealistic expectations, who had conflicting values, and he said, you know what, I'm going to always bring my best. You know, and I wonder, what would happen if we just said, you know what, every day I'm going to bring my best. Now, don't go perfectionistic on me. Because I know we've got perfectionists out there, and you'll say, well, because I can't bring my best every day, I'm going to bring my worst. It's kind of like an either or, it's feast or famine. I, I live with some perfectionists, we won't say any names. But it's like, man, i got to bring my best all the time, and if I can't, then, then maybe I won't bring it at all. It's not Daniel. Daniel doesn't say, I'm going to bring the best. He says, I'm going to bring my best. I may not be able to do better than some of these others. I may not be able to accomplish at this level, but you know what? I'm going to bring the best that I can bring every single day, given the circumstances. That's what Daniel says. He says, I'm not going to slack off. I'm not going to quit early. I'm not going to come in late. I am going to do my best. As a slave in this foreign land, he has put, you know, this great spread. And he could have said, you know what, that's not my best, you know, but here I am in this foreign land. I've been, you know, at least I can have a little bit of indulgence. He doesn't. He says, man, I want this healthy food. I want something that will allow me to honor God because he's always bringing his best. And when he does that, what happens? His captors notice 
they look at him and they say, you know what, you're a little different. Everybody else seems a little defeated. They've kind of just acquiesced. They've kind of done whatever we've asked them to. But you still have spirit in you. You have fight. You have some thought. You're the kind of person we're looking for in leadership. You know, I think, and often in life we look and we say, man, you know, I would do better if I had that job or this person or if I was in this kind of relationship. And Daniel said, you know what? I am where I am. I'm going to bloom where I'm planted. I'm going to do the best I can in the place that I find myself. You see, I think this is what Jesus was getting at when he said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Jesus is really, he's telling us this. He's saying, listen, always bring your best. Even if you think it's beneath you, even if you think it's too little, even if you think you're more important than that, listen, he says, you're not going to be trusted with more until you can be trusted with less. Always bring your best. That's Daniel's habit. Always bring his best. Another one he's got is this. Daniel had a habit of integrity. Daniel was consistently always the same person. That's so much of what integrity is. It's just being the same person here as you are going to be at home, as you are going to be at work. Daniel's going to get promoted. We saw that in the beginning of the chapter. You know, the king notices him. He notices that he's always bringing his best. And he says, man, Daniel, I'm going to promote you over the whole kingdom. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be like second in command to me. And so, you know, his co-workers, they don't like this. They're going to conspire against him. It says the administrators, satraps, tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They went back. They, you know, they dug through his social media feed. They looked back at his expense report. They looked back at all these things, and they couldn't find any place where they could make an accusation. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. His breaks were on time. He did the work he was called to do. He worked at home, and he did the work at home. You see, Daniel was a man of integrity. Daniel was known for this. You know, the consistency that Daniel had in his life, I think, should challenge all of us to ask this question. Are we the same person at home as we are in the office? Are we the same person at church that we are at work? Listen, it's embarrassing sometimes. I've had this happen a few times where I'll meet somebody, they'll figure out how I work at a church, and then we'll figure out, like, I'm like, oh, I know somebody you work with. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I know that person too. And they'll say, how do you know them? And I'll say, well, they go to church. And then they'll look at me and they'll go, that person goes to church? And I'll say, well, they're always on really good behavior when I see them. You know, that's... What, what's the problem? It's we're not consistent. We don't have the integrity. We're not the same person. But Daniel is. Daniel's the same person when he's a slave, and he's the same person when he's a success. He's the same person online as he is offline. Daniel is always the same consistent guy. And so what are they going to do? Daniel is going to, oh, we're not going to look at this one. So what are they going to do? They're going to try to find something in his life. But you go all the way back, and you'll find that Daniel has always been committed to doing the right thing. Whether it's these dietary laws that nobody else is observing, or whether it is the way that he is going to conduct affairs and look at business. I mean, we can think of how many people in this modern age, whether it's a business person or a politician or even a preacher who's been brought down by what? By lack of integrity, lack of moral character and fiber just collapses people. Why? Because they don't have a habit of being the same person. 
You know, a lot of times I think we focus on the success, the achievement, the accomplishment, and we say, man, the ends justify the means. Daniel says, you know what, I don't know where I'm going to end up, but I'm going to make sure that the means are always justified. I'm going to make sure that what I do can always withstand the light of scrutiny and the light of day. And so how do you bring down a guy like that? How do you bring down a guy that's always bringing his best and that is full of integrity? You've got to change the rules of the game. And that's what's going to happen here. The satraps get together. I just like saying that word, satraps. Um, so these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce a decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I read this story, and I'm like, who's this King Darius guy that, that he's just like, sure, that sounds like a really great idea. I think the pickle in VeggieTales really actually captures the, like the King Darius spirit. Um, and so the king's like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Let's do it. And so the rules change. And you go, well, what's Daniel going to do? He's going to do the same thing he's always done. It says, Daniel learned that the decree had been published, and he went home upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. You see, Daniel prays towards Jerusalem. Why? Because that's his home. That's where the temple is. That's the last place that God said, this is where my name will be established. And so he says, you know what, God, you've always been faithful. I'm not going to be less faithful. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. N notice this. Let's just say it together. Just as he had done before. Let's just really try to do it together now. Here we go. Just as he had done before. Well, in other words, what? It's a habit. Daniel always did this. It's, it, it's not going to change. You can change this rule. You can change this law. You can say I shouldn't pray. But Daniel says, you know what? I'm in the habit. This habit just kind of runs itself. I have a habit of integrity. I have a habit of bringing my best. And guess what? He gets caught. And you know what? We find out here that he's got a habit of faith. Daniel has a habit of faith. Daniel says, you know what? Listen, I'm going to be faithful. God has been faithful. I'm not going to be less faithful because you've changed the rules. The king hears this and he's troubled. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said, Remember, your majesty, that according to the laws of Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order. They brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. I, I, I was so struck, again, reading this kind of in a new way. This right here, this you serve continually. Darius wasn't like, Hey, Daniel, I had no idea that you always serve your God. Hey, Daniel, I had no idea that you were serious about worship. Darius says, Daniel, you know what? I, I, I almost wonder if this is an apology. Daniel, I missed it. You know, I'm sorry. You serve your God continually. You always do it. You're always faithful. And Daniel, I pray that your God would rescue you. I pray that your God would save you. And so that's what God does. God does prove his own power when he delivers Daniel. It says, at first light, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lion. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. Now, when we read this story, I think there's two things we need to ask ourselves. What, what lesson can we learn here? What, what is this teaching us? The first thing it's teaching us is that God is faithful and powerful. 
that God is capable of saving us from situations, that God was capable and did, in fact, save Daniel from this lion's den. That's, that's a lesson we all need to learn. You know, we put our faith in God because he's powerful. He is able to save. But for Daniel, and we looked a few weeks ago at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew that wasn't guaranteed. And they even said, listen, if God doesn't save us, we're still going to be faithful. Why? Because we have a habit of faithfulness. And that's the second thing we need to learn, is that we need to have a habit of faithfulness. That we need to be people who are committed to living lives of faith. You see, Daniel chose to be faithful. He was who he was when no one else was around him. He wasn't somebody different when the king was there. He didn't get accused and then sell God out and then give up on it. He doesn't change his story when the, the pressure comes. Daniel has a habit of being faithful. Daniel doesn't know how the story ends. I think that's the thing we've also got to remember is that Daniel doesn't know that God's going to deliver him. We've heard this story so many times that it lacks drama. We're like, yeah, and then he got thrown into a lion's den. As though like this happens all the time to people. Um, funny side note, uh, this is why you should not text and walk. Really happened, not in America. I think it was Indonesia. A girl was walking down the street, texting on her cell phone, fell into a, wait for it, a pit of snakes. True story, made the news. So don't walk and text, especially when you're around areas where there's pits of snakes. Anyways, Daniel. Daniel, however, says, listen, you know what? I'm going to be consistent. I don't know how this is going to end. I may fall into this lion's den. They may eat me. This could end poorly. But you know what? I'm going to be faithful because I know that's what this is about. You see, here's, here's the thing Daniel understood that I think we miss is that success is the habit. Success is the habit. The person Daniel wanted to be, he was every single day. He didn't know this was going to take him to be an administrator. He didn't know this was going to save his life in the lion's den. He just knew that if he died that day, he was going to be happy with who he was because he was the same person that day that he decided he wanted to be. That habit was there. The habit of integrity, the habit of bringing his best, the habit of being faithful. Daniel 